0: Welcome to the Three Creeks Church podcast. One of the foundational beliefs in Christianity is the Trinity, one God in three persons, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. In this series, we're diving in, asking honest questions and getting to know a God who loves us, who saves us, and who changes us. To find out more about Three Creeks Church, visit threecreekschurch.com. My name is Joel, and welcome to Three Creeks. I get to be the pastor here, and like Lisa just said, we're in week three of four in a, in a series that we are calling The Trinity. And before I get into what I'm going to talk about today, uh, I missed last week because I got to go do something. I want to shout out my friend Zach Hess, who came and talked about God the Father, a Father who loves us. But I got to go to Contrast Church, and I wanted to share a couple pictures with you of my experience. Uh, And just to give you a little background, Contrast Church started uh, in our hearts years ago, but really the process of it starting was about two years ago, where Trey and Sarah Gilmore moved here to Columbus from Arizona. They were our residents uh, we kind of teamed up with Movement Church in Hilliard, that's the church that helped start us. We teamed up with them to plant Contrast Church in Grandview, and uh, they actually, they made it. So they launched, they had their launch Sunday last week, and I wanted to show you a couple pictures. I guess this is Trey and Sarah uh, at their launch Sunday. Uh, I had the chance, go to that next one, I had the chance to get to pray, you know, over Trey and over Sarah and over their church. Uh, on the right there is Mark Artrip, who's the pastor at Movement Church, who got this whole thing started. And then I think there's one more picture. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is on the wall outside of their building. Uh, Contrast Church, Trey named it that because he wanted to take light into a really dark place. And so their, their motto or their mantra is to be the light, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in Grandview. And Three Creeks, I still consider us a church plant, but a church plant that wants to plant churches, that plant churches, that plant churches. And have had conversations even recently about who the next resident is going to be here at Three Creeks and, and, you know, talking about can we make that, can we get a resident in this next calendar year and start the process again to start a new church? Because the best way to reach people who are unchurched or dechurched is to start new churches. I don't really understand totally why, but the statistics just say that if a person is far from God, if there's a new church in their community, that's something that for whatever reason, it strikes a chord in them and they check it out and people find and follow God because new churches start. And so we're all about it. Five percent of every dollar that's ever come into Three Creeks has gone to church planting. A lot of it has gone to contrast, but we've got this other pot that we're saving up for the next one. We're going to keep doing this and keep doing this. And at some point, I'll just... I'll just prep you now. At some point, we're going to say, hey, if you live closer to where we're going, then we want you to pray and consider going, because we're not just trying to build a big thing. We're trying to plant churches that plant churches that help people all over the place come to know who Jesus is. So it was awesome for, for me to get to be there. And I, I want to throw out one final ch- challenge or, I guess, request. If you, uh, if you call Three Creeks Church your home, if you're, you know, this is your spot, then at some point in the next three months, I want you to go on a Sunday morning and encourage contrast. I want you to go check it out. I want you to go see it for yourself. I want you to go be there, taste it, smell it, feel it, so that you can see that what we're doing with church planning is making a difference, and it matters. They had 175 people last Sunday at their launch services. And so I'm excited about it, and I want you to go and be excited about it with me. And so I think going to see it would be great. Uh, We'll make sure that your excused absence here is marked well, just kidding, uh, <laughs> we don't do that, uh, but if you, if you want to go see contrast, we think that would be a great way to spend a Sunday morning, and it might let this fire in you to be a part of what, what God's doing through Three Creeks and beyond, so cool. All right, uh, our series, the Trinity, one God, three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, unified, eternal, deity, all of them. And yet, distinct in role. It's pretty simple. I'm surprised we took a whole four weeks to talk about this, you know? I think it could take 400 weeks, and I don't know if we'd get to the bottom of it. We've taken four, and, and in week one, if you remember, I kind of just gave you this flyover, this, this picture of the Trinity as a whole. Zach Hess talked about the, God the Father last week, and today, usually the order is Father, Son, Spirit. It's probably how you hear it most often, but we're throwing a curveball. We're going Father, Spirit, Son. Because the sun we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve, Eve, because it's his birthday. It makes sense. So we're, we're, we're throwing a curveball. And today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I asked, or there was a question on a community group guide two weeks ago. I thought it was a great question uh, that John wrote. And he said, um, you know, which person of the Trinity comes to mind when you think about God? Which one comes to mind first? First. When you think about God, do you picture God the Father? Do you picture God the Son? Or do you picture God the Spirit? Having gone to a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand church services over the course of my life, I've heard a lot of messages and I've heard a lot of people talk about God the Father that God created the whole world and God loves the whole world and God's in charge and God is, God is great and sees everything and God the Father is ruling. I've heard a lot about that. I've heard a lot of messages on God the Son that Jesus came for us, that he was born in a manger for us, that he died on the cross for us, that he rose again for us, that he loves us, that we're supposed to be like him. I've heard a lot of messages on God the Son, but for whatever reason, far down in third place, is God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because as it currently stands in 2021, I would propose that the person of the Trinity, the God of the Trinity that we interact with the most now in our lives is actually God the Holy Spirit. At different points in time in history, it's almost like, I don't know, it feels like the Old Testament was just God the Father had this plan. And God the Father was the the, the God that was the most involved. I'm not saying he was, but it just certainly feels that way. And And then in the New Testament, you see God the Son revealed, born, killed, resurrected, ascended. The New Testament is a story of God the Son. But when Jesus was about to leave and go to heaven, he said, Hang on, everybody, don't freak out. It's about to get better because God the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit but we get we're like, I don't know if we should talk about that because, because our, our our parents called him the Holy Ghost. And that's kind of weird. And and it's like like the Holy Spirit it can be confusing to talk about. A lot of Christians, a lot of people who believe in Jesus have different opinions as as to how the Holy Spirit interacts with people. Like I, I, you know, if I feel the chills during a worship song, is that is that the Holy Spirit? If there's a lot of haze coming out is the Holy Spirit likely to, to come alive? Do I have to speak in tongues to prove that the Holy Spirit is in me? There's a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit and I want to try to clear as much of it up as I can in a 30-minute message. What I want to do today is I want to take you back and I want to talk up to you about like kind of the history and the theology of the Holy Spirit. I even want to answer the question, where was the Holy Spirit at during the whole Old Testament? I want to take you back to the beginning of the Holy Spirit. And then I want to show you how in the New Testament, the the role of the Holy Spirit changes, or at least how he does what he does changes. And Jesus actually is the one who told us that would happen. And at the end of the message, I want to ask you a couple questions. And I'm going to give you some time and some space to think about them. We're actually going to sing a few songs, we're going to give you time, we're going to do the whole thing where we relax and be thoughtful and and have the mentality of like, there's nowhere else to be. God, do you want to say anything? So maybe for the first half, I'll talk to your head, and for the second half, I'll talk to your heart. Make sense? Here we go. The Holy Spirit has always existed. The Holy Spirit was not created by God the Father. The Trinity has has always been a Trinity. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, this is what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And look who was there. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters." So you see the Holy Spirit of God there at the beginning. He didn't come along. He wasn't invented or created a little bit later. He's there in the beginning. This is the first time of hundreds of times that you see in the Bible the word, and I might mess it up, but you'll forgive me, the word ruach, R-U-A-C-H. It's pronounced ruach. It's a Hebrew word, and it's translated as spirit or breath. It's the spirit of God. God, the Father, existed forever, but so did the Holy Spirit. He was there in the beginning. Then there are 38 more books of the Old Testament before Jesus comes on the scene in the book of Matthew. Like if you were to open up your Bible, you'd see 39 books in the Old Testament. That's the story of the world before Jesus. And then in Matthew, look at chapter one, chapter two. It's like Jesus is arriving on the scene. Everything that the Old Testament was talking about, it's now going to happen in Jesus, let me tell you one thing that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit when he came onto the scene 38 books later. He's having a conversation with the disciples. And he, he says to them a couple different times, but he says in this at this dinner party that they're having, he says, hey, I'm about to get out of here. I'm about to leave. And the disciples start freaking out. Jesus, what are you talking about? We have abandoned our family and our lives to follow you. And now after just three years, you're going to leave. What do you mean you're going to leave? You can't leave. We can't make five. We can't feed 5,000 people with two pieces of bread and some fish. We can't do that. We need you to do that. And Jesus goes, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm not done. I'm going to leave. But this is what Jesus says in John 14. He says, I will ask the father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Now, that book was written in Greek, and the word for Holy Spirit there is the word pneuma, P N E U M A, pneuma. And that word translated into Hebrew is the word ruach. And so you see the pneuma, ruach, Spirit of God. He was there in Genesis 1, and then Jesus says, I'm going to leave, but don't you worry. Don't, don't you worry. Do not freak out about this, because it's actually better than to leave, because the Father's going to send an advocate, and he is the pneuma, the Holy Spirit. So here's my question. Where was he for the thousands of years between creation creation? And when Jesus ascended into heaven, you know, uh, for those of you that are familiar with, with the ascension and what happened right after, there's this big event called Pentecost right after the ascension of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes on people in a, in a really new way. What Jesus said that the Father would send the Holy Spirit, it actually happens. Well, what happened? Where was the Holy Spirit for thousands of years between the two? Was he hanging out in heaven with God the Father? Was he waiting for his turn? Was he in people or on people? What was was the Holy Spirit doing? Was he active at all in the Old Testament? The answer to that is yes. And I'm going to show you a few ways in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was doing stuff. He was active. He was real. He was present with people. Uh, In Genesis 41, maybe you remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was the the younger brother who... uh, He was sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. So he starts as a slave, but he makes his way to the top. And one of the reasons why he makes his way to the top and becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man is because Pharaoh actually said this, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Ruach? He is so obviously filled with the Ruach, the Spirit of God. When Moses is talking to God about who's going to take over. Remember Moses, he led him through the Red Sea and he led him just to the brink of the promised land and through the desert and two million Israelites are following him all over the place. And who's going to take over when Moses dies? And God says to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Ruach in him, in him, and lay your hands on him. It's going to be Joshua that takes over Moses. Moses. In both of those cases, it says that the Spirit was in him. In other places, in, 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 on multiple of the judges, on Saul, on Balaam, on David, on a lot of other people in the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit, for lack of a better word, it was on them, that the Ruach was on them. And then there's this really cool story. I don't know if you've heard about this one. I hadn't. There's a guy that was in charge of designing the interior walls the decorations of the temple when the temple was going up. His name is Bezalel, and he's this creative, artistic genius. And it says that even he was filled with the Ruach. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the ability to design this thing. That, to me, that is cool, that the Holy Spirit was gifting and working and in and on people in the Old Testament. Think about this. The Bible was written by people's hands, but it says in the New Testament that everybody that wrote the Bible was carried along by the Ruach, carried along by the Holy Spirit. So think about all the people in the Old Testament that wrote all the Old Testament books, like David and Solomon and Moses and and all these people. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write them before Jesus came onto the earth. And most notably, perhaps, are all the prophets Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, and all these prophets that wrote these books in the Old Testament, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, by the Ruach, to write them. This is what the Holy Spirit was up to for a couple thousand years. But something changed. When Jesus comes on the scene, he actually tells us what's going to change. And I want want to to read you a little further than what I already read you from John 14. He says, I'm going to ask the Father... He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But look at this. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He lives with you now but later will be in you. And so Jesus is... is, telling us that, listen, how the Holy Spirit has interacted with humans and mankind for all this time, it's almost as if he's been with you, but later he will be in you. And so the way in which the Holy Spirit of God is going to move and and, and transform people, he's going to do it from within from now on. There's going to be a new way that the Holy Spirit of God works with people. Here's the best way I can describe it in English. In the Old Testament, The Holy Spirit was either with people, he might have been on people, but in the New Testament and today, the Holy Spirit isn't just with people or on people, he's in people. Paul writes to the Romans that the spirit of God dwells in them. That that the Holy Spirit is this seal on us, that that he's in us. That, That God doesn't just impress himself on us, he actually comes and dwells in us when we put our faith in Jesus. And so if you have ever made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Christ, that in that moment, the Spirit of God took residence inside of you. And if that, listen to me, if that makes us go, cool, then we don't get it yet. If that makes us go, huh, That's interesting. Then we are not fully comprehending the fact that God God lives in us. Let me me tell you, let me show you something really cool about how this works. So so in the Old Testament, there is the place that people would go to worship God was called the temple, right? The temple, there's a tabernacle, and and people would go offer sacrifices. It It was their way to encounter God, interact with God, confess sin to God. It was the place to meet with God. And in this tabernacle, there's, there's, it's holy. Only certain, only certain types of people, Levitical priests, are allowed to go into this tabernacle. And then in the back end, there's this, there's this curtain. It's a four-inch curtain. That is a thick curtain, four inches, hanging from floor to ceiling, And behind that curtain is what's called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant rests. And in the Old Testament, this is where the Spirit of God was the thickest. It's where the presence of God rested. Once a year, the high priest would get to go past that curtain. Once a year. And and do some things back in the Holy of Holies. One person, once a year, and they would tie a rope around his leg... When he went in, just in case he died, they wouldn't go in and also die and trying to get the body out. They would be able to drag the body out. This is the palpable, holy of holies, presence of God, spirit of God behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. So if maybe the best way to say it, where did the spirit of God reside the thickest? It was in the holy of holies. That's where God manifested himself in a unique, special way in the Old Testament. And then Ezekiel, this Old Testament prophet, comes along, and he says something crazy. He writes to all the people. He says, hey, guys, guess what? One day, God, the Father, is going to breathe his Ruach into people. He, one day, God's going God's to gonna breathe his Ruach into people. And he tells a story about this valley of dry bones, how they're going to come to life. And when people hear Ezekiel say that God's going to put his spirit in people, they go, Zeke, shut up. There's no way. There's no way that the Holy of Holy Spirit of God is going to be in people. Are you kidding? We have to tie a rope around the foot of the high priest because he goes in once a year. Nobody can see God and live, Zeke. There's no way that the Spirit. yeah, right. Has he been drinking again? Ezekiel's out of his mind, the holy of holies in people? No, it's not possible. Fast forward a couple hundred years. What happens when Jesus Christ is on the cross and he says, it is finished? and he breathes his last breath. You remember what was torn? Maybe you've sang a song about it or maybe you know what it is. It says in the Bible that in that moment that the veil was torn. You guys know what veil we're talking about? We're talking about the four inch curtain. That is the veil that was torn when Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was torn from top to bottom so that he wanted everybody to know it was a miracle. Nobody can rip a four-inch curtain to begin with, but from top to bottom with no human interaction, that's something else. The veil literally ripped from top to bottom, and it was symbolic that we didn't have to go and be holy enough to be able to enter the presence of God. It was symbolic that God was coming to meet us where we are at, that the holy that the Holy Spirit was going to come live inside of people. What Ezekiel said actually happened. How many times, you guys, how many times have you ever read the Old Testament and you read like, oh man, like Moses put his staff up and the Red Sea split. And how many times you thought, man, what would it have been like to be there? Like I would never have any doubts anymore about God if I could just see that, Right. Or what if, how many times you thought, man, can you imagine being there when, when the Israelites walked around Jericho and the walls shake and actually fall over and Jericho ends up in ruins, not because of the swords of the Israelites, but because they obeyed God and just walked around. Can you imagine being there? How much would you pay for a ticket to see that? How much would you pay to to see something like that? To go to see Daniel be thrown into a lion's den, hungry lions, and the lions just not interested. I mean, if you could see something like that, wouldn't that strengthen your faith? Wouldn't you be like, well, I, I mean, I had questions, but I don't know if I do anymore. You know, if you were on Mount Carmel, when Elijah is going against the prophets of Baal, and there's 900 prophets of Baal and Elijah, and they're kind of having this competition, and they both put the cow on the altar. And these guys, the 900 of them, they run around praying, you know, to their, their God named Baal. And the rules were, whoever, whatever God sends down fire, that's the real God. And they run around all morning. They exhaust themselves. They can't even walk anymore. And obviously, no fire comes down. Elijah goes over and gets on his knees. It says that there were thousands of people there. He gets on his knees and prays that God would show himself, and fire comes down from heaven and singes up like the whole thing, like, like leaves no doubt. Have you ever read the Old Testament and thought, man, if I could just be there then, I mean, if I could just see a miracle like that then, I wouldn't have any doubt. I-, I want you to understand that if the people in the Old Testament heard you say that, they would think you're crazy. They would think you're crazy because they didn't have the ability for God, the Ruach, to live in them like we do. We would probably trade places with them to see miracles like that. They would no question trade places with us to see miracles like this. People in the Old Testament would be going, wait a minute, you want to come see this? You have God living inside of you. Why would you trade places with us? And I don't know, but I just, I don't think about this that often. It's, it's not on my mind every day. I feel like if I saw the Red Sea split, that'd be hard to forget. But I forget very often that the Spirit of God, that the Ruach, lives in me. In me. God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. Listen to some of the stuff that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be our comforter in our darkest days. He said that the Holy Spirit, when we didn't know what to say, would help us know what to say. You ever been in a situation where you weren't sure what you were going to say? Jesus said that it's the Holy Spirit that will actually help us know what to say. The Holy Spirit will remind us of the truth when we begin to have questions. The Holy Spirit will help us flee from destructive sin, sin that destroys us and the people around us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to run away from that. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, meaning that someone who has yet to make a decision to be a Christ follower, somebody who's on the fence, somebody who's checking things out. It's the Holy Spirit that makes your hands sweaty. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you a little bit nervous. It's the Holy Spirit that won't let you go. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you feel like something's going on. That's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the only person that can give true hope and true peace. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us gifts He gives us spiritual gifts. It is the Holy Spirit that brings life. It is the Holy Spirit that brings freedom. Are you interested in either of those? It is through the Holy Spirit that these things are found. And to bring us back to the the big idea of the whole series, it's that the Father loves us, the Son saves us, and the Spirit changes us. It is the Holy Spirit that transforms us. It's the Holy Spirit that changes us from who we are and makes us a new creation. It, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that changes us. Now, when I say that, I, w- I was thinking about uh, how to end this message. And I was thinking about the Holy Spirit changes us. And this is where I'm going to transfer a little bit from head talk to heart talk. I want to ask you a couple questions. I want to I pose just a couple couple thoughts here as I close. The Holy Spirit changes us. I think there's two reactions to that in this room. The first reaction to the Holy Spirit changes us, if we're honest, is I don't want to change. I don't, I could see that it might be good, but I don't want to change. I'm, I don't, I like church. I think it's good for me, I have friends here, but don't ask me to change. Don't talk about that part of my life, because that part of my life, I'm keeping it how it is, no matter what is said. I don't, I don't want to change. If you're anything like me, it is easy to spare a well-loved sin. It is easy to spare a favorite indulgence. It is easy to ignore something that God, a habit that God just keeps talking to you about. Or how about this? Fine, I'll change, but they have to change first. Like I'll change if they change. I'll change if my spouse changes. We're all about to go to Christmas. I'll change if my in-laws change. I'll change if they change. If they forgive, I'll forgive. Don't talk. I don't want to change how I'm spending my money. I don't want to change how I'm spending my time. I'll change some stuff if it's not, doesn't cost me too much. But I don't want to change. Who likes change? I don't want to change. Don't. I don't, I don't. I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to change. And I think if we're honest, there's this resistance to change. Even if God, it's why God has to keep nudging me over and over and over at times. It's because I don't want to change. And the other reaction that I think somebody might have to the Spirit changes us is this even if I wanted to change, I don't think I can. I have tried so many times to change that and I never make any progress. And I feel like a failure. I can't stop looking at that. I can't stop eating like that. I can't stop scrolling. I want to change, I just, I'm addicted. I can't stop drinking like that. I can't stop obsessing. I can't stop caring as much as I do about what people think. I I just, I okay, you could try to tell me not to be anxious, but I just am, I can't change. It's just, I don't know, I just, I worry. And we all, we wanna be different in some ways, but if we're honest, we have tried. It seems like everything, but we just, I can't change. I want to forgive that person, like I actually want to forgive that person, but they hurt me so bad. I don't know I can do it. I, I want, I don't want to have a temper with my spouse. I don't want to be short with my kids. I want to change, but it just, it just keeps rearing its head out of nowhere. And it seems like I've made no progress. Even if I ask God, even if I pray, even if I have people pray for me, it just does not seem like I can change. And we experience setback after setback and we feel like a failure and we think, let's just ride this thing out. I am who I am. In both cases, whether you say, I don't want to change or I can't change, in both cases, we're doing something called, the Bible calls it, quenching the Holy Spirit. We're essentially stiff-arming the Holy Spirit, keeping the Holy Spirit at bay. The Holy Spirit's role is to come into us and and change us and transform us. And we're either saying out of our pride, no thank you, or out of our pessimism, I don't think you can. Either our pride or our pessimism quenches the Holy Spirit. Maybe both. I think I do both. Where where there's part of my life, I, I don't want to change that. Even if God told me to change that, I don't want to change that. And there's other parts of my life I go, man, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to change. And I just want to close by saying what I think God would say to you if you said that. If you are inclined to say, I don't want to change. I think God would say, yeah, you do. I think you do. I think you do, because, because life is better God's way. We think it's better our way. But life is actually better God's way. And so God, who loves us, who's not trying to rip us off, who's actually trying to set us free, is going, yeah, you do, yeah, you do. Trust me on this one. It's better my way. And it may not seem like it, and it may be hard to make that jump, but trust me, if you try it, you will go, what took me so long? To give in on that one. If you're sitting there going, I don't want to change, I think God is saying, I love you so much. Yeah, you do. Trust me on this one. And if you're in that second category and saying, man, I want to change, but I don't think I can, God is simply saying to us, yes, you can. Yes I can. You can because I can. And I'm in you. Let me read you one more Bible verse. I'm going to leave you with this one today. In Romans 8, Paul writes to the Romans and says that the Ruach, the Pneuma, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give Life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So let me just recap that. The same Spirit of God that that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us, the same one. And so your problems, they might be bigger than I think or you think, but He's dealt with it before. It's not as if He hasn't handled it before. You're not showing Him something where He's like, whoa, I don't know I don't know, he, the, same, the Spirit of God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and now He lives in us. And so I close by just asking two simple questions. Are you willing to let the Spirit change you today? Are you willing to let Him do some work on you today? Are you willing to let Him change you? That thing that He's been nudging you about for a while, are you willing to let Him make a move in your life? And if you're in that second group of people, here's the question. Are you willing to just spend a few minutes today asking that God would fill you with a belief, a fresh belief that God is in you and nothing is impossible for him to do in your life? That the addiction can be broken, that that freedom can be had, that you can change because God is in you. I think we all know that our willpower won't do the trick. We've tried that one a couple times. But by the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us, we can change. One of the core convictions of my whole life is that God is not silent and that God speaks. And that if I'm quiet enough, I'll be able to hear him. It's been true over the course of my life, and I believe that it will be true over the rest of my life that God is not silent, He's not far, far away. By the Holy Spirit of God, He speaks. And so because of this belief and because I see that all through the Bible, what we decided to do was flip the service where we usually sing songs on the front. And then I come and give a message. We said, let's just, we'll do the message on the front and then we're gonna sing some songs on the back. And, and we just wanna give you two, three, I don't know, two or three songs, 10, 15 minutes of some time to think about these questions, to think about the Spirit of God that lives in us. One final thought, and then I'll get out of here. If you're a person who's going, man, I, I want the Spirit of God in me, but I've never made a decision to be a Christian. I've never, I've never made that jump. Then in a moment, the Spirit of God is probably working on you now, I would think. But if you're that person who's going, man, I just feel something in me. I don't know how to explain it. My hands are sweaty. I've I, I got to talk to somebody. This has been coming on for a while. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And so we want to make the invitation to you to talk to somebody today and to make a decision to be a Christian and have that Holy Spirit come and change you. So we're going to slow it down. we got nowhere else to be. If you got a coat on, take it off. Relax. The prayer team's going to be back there. I'm going to be back there. The band's going to sing a few songs. And I just invite you to open up your ears and ask God, God, what are you trying to say through your spirit today? Will you pray with me as we start? Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in the hearts of the people that don't want to change and fill the hearts of the people who don't believe change is possible with an added measure of belief today. And I pray over the next 15 minutes that Many, many people in this room would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. And to find out more about Three Creeks Church, visit threecreekschurch.com.